Welcome to In the Spotlight, a regular podcast from the Witham, Barnard Castle's Community Arts Centre. Hello and welcome along to the Witham Arts Centre here in Barnard Castle, County Durham. Stuart Laundy with you here with another In the Spotlight podcast. And if you've an interest in acting and the stage, then this one's definitely for you. We've got a cracking interview coming up with uh, Olivia Award-winning actor Guy Masterson, who's bringing A Christmas Carol to the Witham on Friday, November the 24th. But first, a little bit of music. Singer-songwriter Ian Bailey's coming to the Witham on Saturday, March the 30th next year. He's got a new album coming out, coincidentally, on November the 24th, called We Live in Strange Times, and from it is his new single, It's Summer Rain. But the 
I do love the sound of a jingly jangly Rickenbacker guitar. That was Ian Bailey with his new single It's Summer Rain and if you'd like to find out details of his show at The Witham next year go to www.thewitham.org.uk Hi, this is Tabby from The Cafe and you're listening to In The Spotlight, The Witham's podcast. And now to this week's special guest, who is Olivia Award-winning actor Guy Masterson, who's been treading the boards for the past 40 years or so. And for the past three decades, he's been performing and producing in solo shows, such as the one that he's bringing to the Witham on Friday, November the 24th. It's Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. I caught up with Guy a couple of days ago for what turned out to be a cracking chat. So it's a joy to welcome Guy Masterson to the podcast this week. Guy, welcome along. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Guy is coming to us on Friday, November the 24th with his solo show of A Christmas Carol. And I'm assuming that uh, you multi-role in this. You play lots of parts. <laughs> I do. Um, I, uh, for those of you, those of your audience who might know my work, I'm known for doing multi-character um, interpretations of big literary works. I started with Under Milk Wood. I then went on to Animal Farm and, uh, and, and various solo shows later. Uh, Christmas Carol struck me and uh, I'd known about the story all my life but never seen it never um ne- never t- saw it on television certainly didn't see the Muppets and um I happened to go uh, to be invited to see Simon Callow's version in 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 London and uh and I thought what a great story um and I was then invited ironically literally about a week later to do a reading of it uh, at the at an incredible, beautiful chapel in um, in London, uh, and uh, and it, the place was packed. And I thought I would like to do this as a solo performance, so I adapted it for solo performance with Nick Hennigan. Uh, and um, from Dickens' original performance text, that's that's a key element to it. So it's his original language as he used to do it, with a few cuts and trims. Otherwise, it would be too long. And I perform it in my very physical style, uh, very different to most versions, as far as I can see. Um, I don't dress up as Scrooge and Dickens and Dickensian clothes and wear the wear the chops and little glasses and a bobble hat. Um, it's a very visceral, hard-hitting, down-to-earth telling of the story in its raw form. Um, but what the audience get is the emotion the power of the language, the beauty of the language in its in its original form, and um, and it just grips you like a vice. And what you get is the story as it as as I believe should be told, with all the hard hitting and the 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 the, the and you get the joy of the story. Of course, you do, yeah. um, and all the Dickensian brilliance of his language, but it's it's very raw and very um, very powerful. And uh, that seems to be borne out by the reviews for the show. Yeah, it's got it's got excellent reviews. Where do you set the show? When do you set the show? If it, you know, I mean, you you joke about not wearing the old uh, Victorian chops and, and that sort of stuff. What's the what's yeah. the setting for the piece? It's it's uh, it's kind of in the here and now. Um, I am obviously I, I I am a narrator. I start off as a narrator describing. Uh, um, describing the environment. It's obviously Dickensian London. We talk about the fog. We talk about, and the language, of course, sits you in 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 that in that era. But I'm dressed like an everyday guy, pair of jeans, uh, um, a shirt, and this big old waistcoat, which uh, does all kinds of work. Um, and it's the raw storytelling. 
which gets you and the language and the descriptions and uh, um and uh yeah so it's you you imagine it all because it's all in dis- in the descriptive language that dickens uses it's all right there mm. and um and we know enough victoriana to uh, to sort of fill in the gaps if you like so who who is the show aimed at is it aimed at a particular audience i mean it it, it obviously doesn't sound to me like it's a kids show obviously um is well, it, it is works it for kids and it does work for yeah, kids does it yeah absolutely it does because you know kids are, kids are used to seeing a lot of uh, you know straight down the line um uh hard-hitting stuff on television and, and and all of that so we're not pulling any punches but the language of course is is as dickens said it there are no there's no um swear words or um, blasphemy or anything like that yeah. um it is uh it, it's just emotion i mean scrooge is not a particularly pleasant person so he's not going to sit there and, and smile a lot put it that way but the the other characters are absolutely charming the cratchits and uh um they're all they're all fascinating, uh, and I play them all with with full empathy. And um, so it, there's a lot of laughs in it, dancing, singing, uh, and of course you get Scrooge, who's who's pretty right in the on the knuckle. What made you think, yes, I can do this as a? I mean, you, it, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more in a minute about the the other shows that you've done. But what was it about this one that you thought, yes, I can make a good job of this? I think the power of the characters, they were so well drawn by, by, by Dickens and particularly Scrooge. And I knew my, my immediate thought was that Scrooge was incredibly troubled as a, as a young man and had missed out on something big in his life that he never reconciled. Uh, and that is borne out by the text. And, um, you, you know, and it takes the visitation of these ghosts to make him see the error of his thinking um and he needs to face up to himself in order to have a, a redemption uh, what makes it universal of course it is uh, not it's not religious in any way it is it is about the joy uh, sp- spreading it's a very socialist idea actually the idea of sharing and caring and of course scrooge is closed down to all of that because of an event that happened in his life uh, as a young man and he forgoes that the joy of life in order to pursue one thing and that is rich riches and money and he and he refuses to understand or even take into account those who uh, are worse off than him he thinks i've done it by hard work everybody else can now where have we heard that mantra before so it is it's a universal story and scrooge becomes that you know unforgiving intolerant human being that will not accept that there are people born in worse situations than he is and um and he comes to realize that he has the power to do good and uh and, and that is a fantastic um story and the what makes it special of course is dickens language um and his ability to uh to go into the supernatural with the ghosts and 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 have you believe in it um completely buy into it and uh, because of the passion that Scrooge Scrooge has when he when when he feels those ghosts and the conversations that he has and what he's being exposed to, he 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 has that full redemptive experience, and it's it's very powerful, and it does make people think about the error of their ways and sometimes how hard we can become just by having our head down and going through life, and and it's a pretty tough time at the moment, so people are hardening up and, and that's borne out by the fact that charitable donations are reducing um it's it, it, people are r- really struggling at the moment and christmas time 
as Dickens says, it is a time above all others when one is able to think about being generous. And um, it reminds us, it reminds us of that goodness that we have in ourselves that we just have to reach down and find. Hi, this is Stacey from The Calf, and you're listening to In The Spotlight, The Withams Podcast. Just to just to broaden out the conversation a little, I was looking I was looking through your um your biography. Um, your degrees way back when uh, <laughs> were in chemistry, and uh, so uh, chemistry strikes me as a strange choice of degree for somebody destined for the stage. <laughs> I know. Well, it, I I was born of a a very um, artistic family, musical family. My father was a a conductor. My mother was a jazz singer. Her sister was an opera singer. Her sister's husband was head of opera for the BBC, and um. So there was art in our life all, all the time. But my father died when I was 10 and I went off to this school. And even though there was an emphasis on, you know, school plays and things like that, the emphasis was largely on science, particularly at that particular time, um, the 1970s. And so my teachers guided me towards w- what I was excelling in academically, which was the sciences. Right. And, you know, you get to that point where you do O-levels and you you, you get some good results in a slew of uh, subjects including english i should add and music and and uh, uh, but they said you should do the sciences so there i was at the age of 15 finding myself doing a levels in sciences and before you know it you're on that conveyor belt you find your way into university at a time when we didn't have to pay fees of course yes. um and you're offered a place and you go before you've even stopped to take stock and say what is it that i really want to do mm-hmm. i went to university at 17 graduated at 20 and realized I was completely lost. There was no way I was going to become a biochemist. And um, much as I loved genetics, I knew that I was not going to spend the rest of my life in a lab. So I took stock. I went off to America where my father was from because I could. My sister was out there. I had a I had a passport. And I started working in the hotel industry. Of course, that's a natural progression. And, um, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I served O.J. Simpson. <laughs> and Nicole Simpson Brown, I I knew them very well. Um, but uh, anyway, my I ha- also had a famous uncle. I don't know whether you read about him, but I had a very famous uncle, yes, certain uh, Mister Burton, certain Mister Burton. And um, I had had an experience with him when I was nineteen, when I was lost, and you know, I was in love with a girl I couldn't have, and and he was staying with us in North London, and um, he bought him. Mini Cooper, for some inexplicable reason. I could not understand why he'd buy a Mini when he could afford any car. <laughs> and um, and he said his answer was simple, because I've always wanted one. And uh, But he couldn't drive it because he had a pinched nerve in his neck. So uh, I, I was driving it. I was driving him around. And um, he had his uh, neck brace on so his head wouldn't wobble too much. And, uh, and then finally he said to me, would I drive it to Switzerland where he lived? And uh, my mother complained that I'd just passed my test, which wasn't true because I'd passed it a year earlier, and that I'd never driven on the continent before. And he says, it's okay, Marion, he's not going by himself. I'm going with him. <laughs> Reassuring and, um, words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, so I ended up driving Richard Burton to to Switzerland in this Mini Cooper. Um, and all in all, we spent five weeks together, not just driving to Switzerland, but that, that was only 11 days, actually, um, because we stopped in Paris and then... Spent a lot of time just chatting, drinking tea, eating digestives, which are Welsh, of course, digestives, digestive. And um, uh, and we just got to know each other. And because my father had passed when I was very young and he knew him, he regaled me with stories. And uh, we just we just connected, you know. And then once he'd 
gone through the um, all the stories that he thought would uh, entertain me, you know, Hollywood stories, Elizabeth stories, you know, Tony Curtis, all that kind of stuff. He started to talk about things which perhaps he wouldn't have done if he didn't trust me. And um, I think I got to have a portrait of a real, a guy in crisis, a guy who was unbeknownst to me was about to divorce Susie, his fourth wife or fourth marriage, I say third wife. And, um, and he was melancholic. He was suffering with this problem with his neck. I think he was really having the sense that, you know, he was coming to the end of his career. Um, and, uh, and I caught him at that very vulnerable time and made him laugh. That was the, the the moment I think that really changed my life. And I got to hear a lot about Hollywood yeah. and and actors and, and all of that. And there I was. I found myself in Los Angeles, and um, uh, my girlfriend at the time was uh, was an actress, and he died notoriously of a brain hemorrhage. And I heard about it on the news, which is awful. And my girlfriend just said to me, I was inconsolable. It was like losing my father again. And um, my girlfriend said, you know, maybe it's time for you to have a go. So I enrolled in an acting class and um, enjoyed it. And uh, next thing I knew, I started auditioning for stuff and started getting the roles. And one thing led to another. And I've been in the business for 40 years. Hi, this is Sheila. Hi, this is Jim. And we're volunteers, and you're, you're listening, listening to In the Spotlight, the Withens podcast. If we fast forward from that moment for about 10 years, um, mm. that was when you did your first solo show. So what, what was it that what was it that made you think, you know, this is a good this is a good way to go? Well, interestingly, when when I'd elected to come back to Britain, I was struggling in Hollywood because I was member of I was a part of a small cabal of British actors which would get it going up for the same roles all the time, all the British plays, all the Shakespeare plays. Uh, but all the movies were being cast from London. They were being cast, people like Gary Oldman and um, uh, Tim Roth, people like that. They were being cast straight out of the RSC, and we weren't getting a shot at them in Hollywood. So um, my agent said to me, you know, maybe it's time for you to go back to London and um, join the RSC, effectively. And, uh, and I thought, oh, well, that, that's easy. And um, I enrolled at Lambda to get some classical training because I didn't want I didn't want to go to London and have no sort of sense of what the hell I was doing. Uh, and I came out of Lambda and I was out of work and I, I'd never been out of work. So I didn't know how to handle it. Now, I could have run back to um, L.A. with my tail between my legs and tried to get started again. But in the event, I someone said you should do a solo play, you should do one person play. Uh, and so I thought, well, that sounds fun. So I, I I found one by Peter Flannery called The Boy's Own Story. And um, anyway, his first ever play that he wrote when he was at the Contact Theatre in Manchester University was called The Boy's Own Story. And um, I was a goalkeeper uh, at um, at school. And this was a play about a goalkeeper. About It, it really was an allegory for the lo loneliness of the long-distance goalkeeper. And I understood what it was like to be the goalkeeper. You know, sometimes... If you play in a strong team, you never touch the bloody ball and it's freezing and you're, you're ice cold and blue and the rest of the players are huffing and puffing and steaming. I played this and I just, I had an epiphany when I was performing it that I was absolutely connecting with these kids and the people who were coming along and looking them directly in the eye and telling them the story as if, it, as if it was me doing it. I realized this is what acting really is. It's not about playing the Hamlet and showing how good you are as Hamlet. It's not about 
playing a bit part in a, in a, in a big play, although that is acting, of course. But the real communication, the real connection with the audience was something I'd never really discovered. I'd never looked an audience in the eye before. You know, in, in, a, in a standard play, you're working with the other actors on the stage, you're looking them in the eye, and the audience are observing the action. That's how they experience the play. This was different. I was looking the audience directly in the eye, and I was telling them a story as if I was the character. And I found that it was incredibly powerful, and it changed my world. I, I got cast in a in another big play in the West End from that. Uh, and I did nine months in a big cast being watched by the audience. And, and I thought, no, I'm missing something here. I wanted to have that experience again. So I did an experiment. Um, I did a piece of work which was very close to my heart, uh, Under Milkwood, uh, which I had heard as a young man, obviously, because, you know, Burton was part of my family and we had the record. But more to the point, Uncle Richard introduced me to it on that trip to Switzerland. And he recited the opening monologue of Under Milk Wood, you know, basically said, listen to this. And um, he just recited the opening monologue. And I'm listening to it going, oh, I've heard. He says, shh, listen. And so I listened. And um, I was intoxicated by the language. I was completely gripped by this incredible language and also Burton's incredible rendition of it. So I, I had been inspired to do Under Milk Wood. And we did, some, we did an excerpt of that at Lambda, and I was involved in a... Um, a charity performance of it and I fell in love with it and I thought I'll try this as a solo performance and I um, I learned all the lines it's the summer of 1993 and put it in front of an audience and for whatever reason it worked and they loved it I loved it and I did a few more performances and then someone from the Traverse Theatre in Edinburgh got wind that I was doing it and called up and said um, is it true that you're doing a one-man version of Underbill Wood I said yes that's true and this is and they said, well, we have to have a cancellation. Would you come up and fill it? Uh, and it was it was February the 14th, I think, 1994. And I did it at the Traverse. And that changed my world again. It, uh, it was well-received, got re reviewed by some brilliant reviewers. And uh, yeah, my world changed then. Then I was invited back for the Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, and that was the first of my 29 consecutive <laughs> Edinburgh Fringes. So when you do the, the 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 solo shows, is there a pressure to it, or or is it something that you really embrace? Well, there is a pressure. Obviously, it's a it's a big it's a big thing to learn all those words. And mm. uh, to be honest, that's that's what I call the grunt work. You have, if you take on a solo show, that's what you've got to do. You've got to learn the lines. And but once you've learned them, and once they're inside you, uh, it becomes freedom. It becomes the music, and the music plays you. You don't play the music. Most actors act the words. I don't act the words. I let them act me, if you like. So you get to the point where you know it so well that um, you trust it. And all you do is inhabit the moment. And and out come these fantastic words. And you find yourself, this, there's moments when I look at my, what am I doing? Where am I? And you realize you're still doing it when you're thinking that. It's a, it's a very strange thing. I've experienced it with music when you're playing an instrument. When you know something so well, you don't even think about where your fingers are going or on the piano, for example. But it, it's like driving home in a car. You know, you you uh, you don't know how you get home sometimes, but you do it because you do it so often. It's a muscle memory. So that that is the challenge to get it to that point. Once it's there, then you can really allow it to 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 work. It works you. And that's where I'm at with Christmas Carol as well. I've done, I think, four 400 performances of it now. And I love it. It's a genre which I understand. I know the hard work that is involved. 
um, which I don't take lightly, but it, when you get it to the point where I'm at now with, say, Under Milk Wood, with which I've done 2,000 performances now, and Christmas Carol, and I did Animal Farm, which was an even bigger one, you know, um, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to explain. It becomes part of you. Guy, we'll call time there. That was absolutely brilliant. Thanks ever so much for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks or so. I look forward to coming up and seeing that beautiful town. I know I say it every time, but that was absolutely brilliant. I really enjoyed chatting to Guy Masterson there. And don't forget, tickets for A Christmas Carol on Friday, November the 24th are available now. Contact the box office on 01833 631107 or go online to www.thewitham.org.uk. Hi everybody, this is Josh here, the crazy guy who runs around doing anything and everything. And whilst cleaning mirrors is a job I usually see myself doing, I'm just here to let you know you are listening to the Withams podcast in the spotlight. So Jane's arrived in the uh, studio, Jane Woodward, our marketing ace. Hello Jane, how are we doing? I'm alright, Stuart, what about you? I'm not bad, and you've already told me I've got to be on best behaviour because we've got lots to talk about. We have, yes. So there's no joking, no singing, no dancing. It's just like being at work, this, isn't it? <laughs> Dear. Anyway, first up, let's look ahead to next January where we've got a couple of excellent musical events coming. We do, we've got the Jive Aces coming back on Thursday the 18th of January. You'll be wanting to dance to that. There is a dance floor, yes. I don't know whether I'll be dancing, Stuart, but I certainly want to go and see them. You'll be getting your what's-it skirt on. What was it Oh, they all used to wear in the 50s? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, you'll be getting one of them on and having a dance around. Yes. <laughs> or then, maybe not. <laughs> and then on the 20th, we've got something which I'm really looking forward to. A young Americana-type singer from Manchester called Izzy Walsh. Yes, she's coming on Saturday, 20th of January, with um, a bit of country, bluegrass, folk and Americana. That'll be really good. I can highly recommend that. I've heard her stuff. She's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. so that's that's uh, something a bit different, isn't it, for the rhythm? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's one of a few. We'll, we'll go into this at a future on a future podcast. We'll go into all the uh, Americana type stuff we've got coming in the mm-hmm. new year because there's a good line up there. There is, yeah. Anyway, back to your favourite time of the year, half term. Oh, Yes. <laughs> We've got lots going on, Stuart, next week. Absolutely. Let's start with the art. Yes, so we have a new exhibition in our gallery. This is Interface Arts Winter Exhibition, which starts on Tuesday, 31st of October. They're an artist's network living and working in County Durham, and they are going to be displaying original art, prints, paintings, glass textiles, jewellery and ceramics. Excellent. And then our very own Anne Lee, she's back with another course. She is, starting again on Tuesday for five weeks, so two hours on a morning, 10 till 12. You can do some watercolours and some drawing with Anne. Excellent stuff. Now to the entertainment. Sinatra, the, the chairman of the board, old Blue Eyes himself. Exactly. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one, Stuart. This is my kind of music. So if you love Start Sinatra... Start spreading the news. At, I thought we agreed no singing. All right. It wasn't really singing. That wasn't even an attempt. No. If you love Sinatra, this is unmissable. That's uh, that's this kind of strap line they're using. I did like the dramatic pause there. (laughs) I wondered what you were going to say. If you (laughs) like Sinatra, da da da. So this is musical theatre, and it stars actor and singer Richard Shelton, who starred in TV's Emmerdale. It's critically acclaimed, it's multi-award winning, and it certainly is unmissable. And when's it on? 
Tuesday evening, 7.30. Brilliant stuff. Be there. And something for the younger ones? Yes, on Thursday afternoon at two o'clock, we've got Halloween Spooktacular. This is a family-friendly pantomime by Tom Wolfe Productions, who, of course, are bringing The Wizard of Oz to the Witham in December. Um, and it's fancy dresses encouraged, so dress up in your best Halloween outfits and come along for that. And you'll be, you'll be coming as a wicked witch, will you? Thank you, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of comedy... Yes, comedy on the same day, evening, Thursday the 2nd of November. It's Sean Walsh. Now, it is sold out, but you can check for any returns at Funny Way to Be. Right. He was very, he was, so he sold out the last time he came as well. He's, he's, he seems to be very popular, that chap. Yeah, it's been sold out for a while, but you never know. You might be able to pick up some returns. And then we have more music hot on the heels of uh, Abba Sensation. We have a Queen. Queen Tribute, yes, Queen UK, fronted by singer and musician Billy West as Freddie Mercury. So you can relive all the classic Queen songs, Stuart. I want to break free. <laughs> there we go. And finishing off, we have got a couple of retail announcements. First of all, we've got Northern Crafts coming back. We have Saturday the 4th of November. Between 9.30 and 3.30, free entry to the um, music hall. They'll have lots of stalls, crafts and gifts there. And our very own Witham shop has had a makeover. I'm glad you told me that. I, I mean, when you look at me, you don't automatically think born shopper, do you? Definitely not. So, yeah, I'm, I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't know where to start with a shop makeover. No, but but, but it's have, been done, has it? It has been done. It looks... Much brighter, much bigger. It's full of new stock. I was just about to say, is there some new stuff in there? There is lots of things for Christmas. So you might get some ideas, Stuart, for Christmas presents. Do I look like the sort who buys Christmas presents? <laughs> there must be somebody you want to buy a gift for. <laughs> yeah, but if I told you what I was going to get, it wouldn't be a surprise, would it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, so people will want to know where to get tickets from for all this lot. Where can, where can we go for them? You can call the box office, Stuart. On? On 01833 Excellent. And if we wanted to go online? www.thewitham.org.uk Excellent stuff. Jane, we'll see you next time. You will. Bye. Well, that's just about it for this week's podcast. If you like what you've heard, please do spread the word about us. And we're going to leave you this week, seeing as how Jane's such a fan with a bit of old blue eyes himself. Yep, Frank Sinatra, and you make me feel so young. You make me feel so young You make me feel so spring has sprung And every time I see you grin I'm such a happy individual The moment that you speak I wanna go play hide and seek I wanna go and bounce the moon Just like a toy balloon And I are just like a couple of tots Running across a meadow Picking up lots of forget-me-nots You make me feel so young You make me feel there are songs to be sung Bells to be rung And a wonderful fling to be flung 
Spotlight from The Witham, Barnard Castle's Community Arts Centre. Available on all major podcast platforms. So please give us a follow and leave a comment or listen online at www.thewitham.org.uk. We'll be back soon with another episode.